Good morning, good evening, or good night, friends, and welcome to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, where every single week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, you know, interviewing thinkers. Sometimes we have real honest conversations about what it looks like for us to lead the next generation. And today we're going to have one of those honest and real conversations about some pretty fun stuff. And I'm excited today to be joined by my friend, Ben. Hello, Brett. And Charlie. Hey, friends. And for the first time ever on the podcast, my friend Jonathan. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, Jonathan hails also from the wonderful state of Indiana, the Hoosier state. Yes, proud. But he no longer is a Hoosier. He's a transplant now like me. Yep. So your first time on the podcast, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jonathan. Yeah, so like you said, I grew up in Indiana, lived there my whole life. Um, Now I am a Georgia peach. Um, (laughs) I'm a middle school pastor. Been in ministry for about 10 years. I'm married and have three kids. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, today we're jumping into this conversation about how to plan your next big youth ministry event. Ooh. Yeah. This is where uh, they added like the, 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 tent, the tense yeah. music at mm-hmm. the end, you I think. set it up so intensely. I got so. nervous for a second. Yeah. So ev- events are one of those things that are just staples in youth ministry. Like a lot of times when I think about like youth ministry, those are some of the things that come to mind. And when I was growing up in youth ministry, those were the things that a lot of times I got most excited about was mm-hmm. the events. Yeah. And then I got into youth ministry and I was like, oh man, events. <laughs> The whole tone changes, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Lock-ins when you are in no, eighth grade. No, no lock-ins. Sound like the best, like li- the, like no. manna from the Lord. You're crushing it in eighth grade. Yeah, at a lock-in for sure. Oh yeah. It's and like you're playing hoops at three in the morning and you're looking around to see if anybody's watching you. Like I just made two three pointers in a row. Can I tell I you when I stopped you. doing lock-ins? Yes. Can I say us. this? When my daughter was in middle school, we of course had a lock-in. And then she came home to my house and oh. she was like the devil incarnate. And I was like, have I been doing this to parents my whole life? Yep, yep. And I was like, this is awful. And I stopped doing lock-ins just because I wanted to be better for parents. That's I, a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I think we could talk about weekend retreats and camps and then talk about what we give back, back to, to parents. parents. Right. <laughs> yep. yep. Just such a tired, evil human being. Evil. Oh, yes. I was, they were worse after <laughs> retreats. <laughs> Just absolutely terrible. As a person. kid, just like cranky with your parents. Yeah, you like come home, you're like, I'm so on fire for Jesus. And then it's like, but I'm the worst for three days. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm on so fire for funny. Jesus. I'm being a child of God, not a child of yours. Exactly. So leave me alone. Okay. Well, it's funny too to think in student ministry, student pastors who like, you know, came to know Jesus later in life so they didn't grow up, but now they're in ministry and somebody's like, Are you gonna do any lock-ins? And like, what's a lock in? Yeah. Oh, well, we have all the students come to the church and they spend the night here. I'm like, what? That sounds terrible. Why would you why do would, that? Why exactly. would anyone agree to this? Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, so this this next question, your answers might have to do with lock-ins, but oh. I wanna ask you the question, what is the worst event? that you've ever planned, that you've ever been in charge of, this was yours, at some point you thought, you know what, this is a great idea. And then in the midst or afterwards, you were like, I'm not sure I have a job here anymore. All right, Ben, you are ready He's to go. He's ready, he's on yeah. fire. In my first church job, uh, we were building another church building. So okay. meeting in the old, we call it the chapel, while construction is happening. And I thought to myself, why don't we take advantage of all of this construction stuff that's happening? So we had something called a cowboy roundup where it's like, okay, this construction area, we're gonna turn it into a mud pit. And over here, we have this fenced in area and we're gonna get some pigs in there and people can go chase them around. Live pigs? Live pigs, yeah, of course. Is it better if they were dead I just wanted to know. Right, no, country. I grew up country, girl. So uh, yeah, the pigs got loose. Everybody's just muddy, it starts raining. And at some point you're just like, you know what, let's all just have a mud fight, which turned out to be great, but just a bad idea. And then you have people who are there and they don't want to get dirty. Mm-hmm. You're at a cowboy roundup. It's raining. <laughs> you're on a muddy construction site. It was People in the fine print. You, you got to read the flyer. But overall, just a bad idea from start to finish. So did you lose the deposit on the pigs or did you find the pigs? Well, we ha- I had a couple boys in okay. my student ministry who were good at, you know, hauling pig off. Pig wrestlers. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah, good and pig going off into the woods and find some loose <laughs> got, pigs. Follow the tracks. And it was like, when that moment happened, I'm like, I need you two guys to go get those pigs. They're like, we're on it. Like, <laughs> Their this moment is, to shine. Yes. That's why we came. Exactly. <laughs> we actually are the ones that let the pigs out of the fence. <laughs> right. So that you would ask us. And so that we could be the heroes who got the pigs back. Oh my gosh. Can I yeah, share? Yeah, Charlie, you got one? Because this um, involved hair 
Okay. In flames. Oh. Right. Yeah. So we had this really cool like night of worship and everybody came and it was like supposed to be like that real stake in the ground and a student's faith, yeah. right? Like this was a great moment and they were praying at the altar, right? Doing like some little prayer stations. Sure. And you know, the high ponytail that a lot of cheerleaders wear with like the little bow, you know, middle school girl, Josh, sure. I know you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yep. And she bent down to pray and poof. That ponytail, y'all, record went up in flames. She must have a lot of hairspray. Prayer candles? Well, <laughs> we stopped using real candles after that, right? It had to be the battery-operated <laughs> one. But the worst part was it was the new chapel that our church had just built, and it stunk like hair. Oh, and I'll man. never forget, like, the elders of the church, like, kept giving me side-eye, like, why does the chapel stink so bad, Charlie? I'm like, well, Jesus set our hair on fire over the weekend. <laughs> That's... <laughs> So amazing, I man! I lo- I'm just picturing it, and yeah. it was a moment that you really could have capitalized and her, on. I'm Megan Cook. Like I remember her to this day, like her hair going up in flames. Well, How much hair did she lose in this? You know, it was all frizzled, like the ponytail just singed, y'all. Can you beat that, Jonathan? That's hair a sign illustration. I'm hearing though. hair on fire and loose pigs. I'm like, I, I got nothing. <laughs> um, but we tried to do like a life size board game night. Where we were like, hey, let's set up a volleyball net and do battleship with like oh, cool. water balloons on towels. Yeah. And, um, like we t- tried to create a Scrabble th- and it was the worst. Like the students weren't excited about it. It was windy. So like our Scrabble tiles were blowing away. <laughs> and it was just like the, the, like the least successful thing that we could have imagined. You're apologizing to people afterwards. Right. Like, I'm sorry you I, came. I'm sorry you wasted two hours to be here tonight. I do love the ideas that seem so brilliant when you're talking through them and they involve a ton of creativity yep. to execute and then in the moment nobody cares and you see people all. post pictures of their life-size board games and it looks <laughs> amazing crushing it they are crushing like, it that's, that's what exactly I feel what like. it's like a pinterest fail like, <laughs> yes oh, no, not happening it. for us <laughs> so so mine I, I gotta try to figure out how to say how to say this quickly so first church i'm probably 22 at this point we've got some kids in our ministry that have like that have a band and so we had um we had a church bus so we had an old barn that housed the church bus. So I was like, let's do a Halloween party in the church bus barn. Cool. And we'll yeah. and we'll have we'll have the kids in our like their bands play. It'll be it'll it'll be fun. So uh, two kind of two bands that end up, you know, we have conversations with just high school bands, whatever. It's, you know, it's it's 2006. They're going to play like some pop punk. It's going to yeah, be great. Fun had by all. Roast some <laughs> hot dogs move dance dance revolution out into the barn i mean i think this sounds like a great it's totally yeah it's it's going to be fabulous so i find out that one of the the kids in the band has been talking to another band the day before so i call him and he's like oh yeah it's just a friend of mine they're 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 really cool they're just gonna come play a couple songs okay and then a caveat here is we said you have to dress up or you have to pay $2 to get in. Because, you know, just the incentive, like the too cool for school kid, at least we'll get $2 out of him if he doesn't dress up. Little did I know that the one band that my high school kid was talking to was actually three other hardcore metal bands from the Lexington, Kentucky metal hardcore scene. Wow. So Who knew Lexington, Kentucky had they had They do. They do. And so... Three vans pull up an hour before it starts, and grown men older than me get out of the vans. So 300 people show up to our... To your barn party? To, to our, our, our Halloween show, which is the way that these were apparently promoted uh, to their followers. Wow. And let's just say it ended with me dressed as Braves right fielder Jeff Francoeur <laughs> in, in the middle of mosh pits trying to protect my middle schoolers from these 23-year-old, like, full ninja mosh pit. And the night ended with a grandma coming to pick somebody up who I met in the parking lot because I didn't want her to, to come in, who said, I, <laughs> I sense evil coming from the barn. <laughs> You're and like, I Roger that. I couldn't disagree. I was like, I, I understand where you would, but what a great where outreach you event! I mean, yeah, three hundred. A whole lot of cigarette smoking you going on at that college I, ministry. <laughs> I honestly thought I was going to get fired at that point. Absolutely, I didn't get fired. Um, which, thanks, Jeff. The old surprise battle of me. the bands getting I don't pulled know why on you. Didn't you. fire me, man. 
That well, was, uh, what, that was uh, a mess. What's funny is I imagine the people listening to this right now just heard the four of us and they're like, y'all have no idea. <laughs> like, you, wait till you hear my story. They could probably put some of us to shame. Well, we'll tell you where you can share those stories with us later. Absolutely. We, we want to feel better about ourselves and hear Fantastic. about how awful yours were. <laughs> okay, so we've all planned good events, probably, I'm yeah. assuming, and we've all planned some real stinkers. So what are some of the filters? I want to talk through that for a few minutes. So when you're thinking about an event... What are some of the filters that you're thinking through that you're going to decide whether or not this is an event that you're going to put time, money, effort, all of those things into? Well, I guess my first question would be, how would y'all define an event? Okay. I mean, I'm open. I'm open for, a, for yeah, answers. That's a good, like when, when I think of an event, I think of like a, a one night like bash would be my, my initial go-to for an event and like something to generate excitement and draw students in and then make the invite to come So you would say like our, a retreat is not an event. I that would, would be I a would, trip. Yeah. Yeah. I would classify a retreat more as a trip than an event. Okay. So you're saying events are more like outreach oriented, yeah. fun type outings. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Yeah. I think I'm with Jonathan on that too. Like to me, an event is a one night bring your buddies type of thing. And a retreat is the overnight ordeal. Yeah. What's interesting, the one thing I would say to that is I discovered over time that the kind of retreats or summer camps, in some cases, were a better outreach event because mm. we're telling our students to invite their friends all the time. They're like, hey, do you want to come to my church? Or we're going to do an outing. But then it's like, hey, do you want to get away from your family for a weekend and go to the mountains? Right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, do you want to go to the beach because... At that point in the summertime, you're already bored. Yeah, we'll go to the beach. So it was kind of like this road trip, get out of the house, get away from my parents for a week or a weekend. Kind of when we began to reframe that, you know, uh, retreats and camps turned out to be a pretty good outreach for yeah. us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think most of what we're probably going to talk about probably fits with planning an outreach thing for one night or whether it's a weekend retreat or, you know, even if we're talking about camps or something like that, some of these filters, I have a, I have a feeling, at least for me, they're probably pretty similar to, okay, is this like a Friday night thing or is this like an all weekend sort of a thing? Right. But I guess what we're saying, the common ground is it's something outside of the ordinary. Right. And yeah. it's something that you're going to have to get permission from parents. Yep. There's going to be travel, which we could have a whole conversation no, no, I about don't, I don't that. I don't think there necessarily does. What? We, we would do events just at our church. Or at the city park. We did a lot of events in the park because it's a free venue. Yeah. We're like, they get dropped off there. Yep. But when travel gets into play, there there's a whole other ball game of logistics and planning and all of that. that we could have the it. funniest podcast ever if we talked about just traveling with students. <laughs> yes, but traveling it could fails. Not, it yeah. could not be listened to by parents. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> so what you're saying is it, it could be at, at your church building, but we're going to do something different. Instead of having right. a worship band and a speaker, tonight we're going to play bingo. Yeah. That idea is for free for all of you listening. Uh, bingo. Bingo. <laughs> yeah, I would say an, an event to me is just anything outside of our normal programming that we're going to add to the schedule. Yep, got it. Yep. All right, so when you're thinking through that, what are some of the filters that you're, that you're thinking through before you decide, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the time, the money, the effort into this one? So for me, when planning events, I always look at my vision and the mission of my student ministry to see if that event aligns with where we're going, mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't want to do something that makes no sense to my students and to the ministry. Even if it's a fun night, I still want it to be about building healthy friendships, right? Right. Something in there that's still aligning with what I'm about. Yep. Yeah, I would say definitely in that vision conversation, but also the rhythm of our ministry. Mm. You know, like, my typical rhythm is a big event back to school, um, a big event for Christmas, right. a big event um, in the spring sometime. Yeah. And then like during the summer when it's already slow, like go to a baseball game instead yeah. of normal programming. Um, so just I like that rhythm and not like stacking six events in yeah. the fall semester. That just makes it a little bit easier to And less to exhausting. And Absolutely. less exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And I... For me, one of the first things to observe is margin, is can we handle this? Mm -hmm. Is this going to be miserable for us? I'm selfish. So sometimes I won't plan an event because I don't feel like going. Like, I don't like bowling, <laughs> you know? I, I don't, so I don't plan bowling events. But some students love it. Corn maze, all depends on the weather. You I know? mean. Mm -hmm. people, some people just love a corn maze. For me, I'm like, you just walk, I'm walking around. In corn. 
in a field and it's hot and my students are lost <laughs> yep. and I potentially just, doing things they shouldn't be doing right, that by was the my corn thing. stalks. Yeah. That's the hard thing. Students in the corn stalks that you can't see. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. I sometimes think, okay, looking at our overall margin, am I just filling up space? Right. Or is this something we can rally some energy around and get students excited about? Yeah. Because it's a weird thing I've learned that 15 year olds don't think the same things are fun that I think are fun. Right. But if enough of them are excited about something, typically they'll be pretty good messengers to right. their friends. Um, so again, I think we're all talking strategy, line up, okay, what's, is there a purpose behind yep. this? Now, interestingly enough, most of us, most of you listening probably took jobs at churches where you inherited some events. Mm. And if you find yourself asking the question, now, why have we always done this? <gasps> then that's where you may notice that there's a lack of purpose yeah. behind it. And then you'll have to decide if you can fight the battle uh, with, you know, the, the history of church to continue doing it or not doing it. Yeah. And we, we did an episode. I don't remember what episode it is. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes. We did an episode about how to, how to kill things, whether that's, whether that's certain yep, programmings that's or whether that's, remember Shane was on that episode about what we do when we're, when we've got a program, maybe that's even working and it's fun, but it isn't, it doesn't fit the vision. It doesn't fill the, the, you know, it doesn't move our strategy forward like we want it to do. So how do we audible this or how do we kill this or how do we change this or, or whatever it is? Because, I mean, we, we've all kind of been stuck with those sacred cows where it's like, I don't know that this is doing anything that we really wanted to do. We're not really meeting anything in our list of where we're trying to take students. Well, no. I also think it's better when you're planning your budget. So you're planning your budget and you're thinking about events. You don't want to just do an event to cost money that makes no right. sense. You want to align your events with your vision, and then that needs to align with your budget. Right. Why pay for bowling if 12 kids come and it's the same 12 kids and no one likes it? Just mom drops yeah. them off. Like nobody wants to pay for yeah. that. To me, that's that's one of the filters that I that I go through when thinking about when thinking about rhythm. Mm. as far as, okay, what are the big things that we're pushing? And then financially, what do they cost? Because we used to have our big state youth convention in November every year back in Indiana. Uh, but then our church would also do a fall retreat in October. And so we had these like back-to-back -back events mm. where essentially we're asking families to pay a lot in two months in a row or what normally would happen is they have to choose one or the other. And it just didn't, it, the, it, sort of fit the strategy in what we were trying to do. Both events did, but it didn't fit in the rhythm of what we were trying to do in, in the schedule or the budget. Yeah. And the amazing thing is there's a lot of you listening who've done a lot of incredible events for very little money, which is awesome. I think another thing I would add, when you look at your events, which events is no one showing up to? Mm -hmm. And there were events that I loved we had done for a while, there was a day where I had a certain group of students that would embrace something like that. You know, we do these dance parties or we would have concerts. And then I found a group of students that they didn't care. And if they didn't care, they're not going to go. Right. And I had to realize this is a different group of students who respond to something different. I've had groups of students who love going to a Braves game. I've had groups of students who probably didn't know who the Atlanta Braves were. <laughs> so I had to adjust it a little bit based on their personality yeah. and identity. Absolutely. Any, anything else? Any other filters that you think through, okay, do I want to plan this event? Do we want to commit to this? I think one last thing I would add is I just picture my explanation of this to parents. So mm. I want to be able to say it in a way that makes sense to them. And we've all kind of done this before when it comes to mission trips. When we say, hey, I'm taking your teenage daughter to a foreign country, and we're going to do our best to keep track of where she is. You know? <laughs> You're like, okay. How, how do I say this? I need to cast vision around this. That's very clear. I think any event, if, if you're going to send an email or you're going to have a conversation with a parent, they're like, no, what are y'all doing on Saturday or Sunday night? You're like, yeah. this is what we're doing. This is why. Yep. I love that. I think church culture is funny. And sometimes we do things just because they've always been done. And we were already kind of talking about that. But if you can't answer the question, why is this event happening? Like, I think that's just a, a really good key to like, probably shouldn't do it or don't need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if there's stuff that your students aren't coming to, I, why, why do an event that costs money for anybody mm -hmm. that nobody's coming to? Yeah. And I think it is okay to say, why are we doing this event? Well, because it's fun. Yeah. And yeah. we want students to connect having fun at church. Yeah. So we take having fun seriously and we would hope that they might even consider inviting their friends. Yeah. That's purpose right there. To me, a huge, a huge piece of that was, was learning 
that for something to be successful for our strategy, it doesn't mean it has to be a bait and switch. And I think that so often, you know, to me, I always go to, to Super Bowl parties, right? It's that classic, like, oh, we're going to hang out. It's going to be awesome. Invite your friends. We're going to have pizzas. We're going to have snacks. We're going to watch the Super Bowl. And then like you cut off people's ping pong tournament because you're going to do a two song worship set. And then you're going to share the gospel with people. And it's like, wait a minute, like, it just nothing about this feels appropriate to do this sort of a this sort of a thing. And so some of that is coming to that understanding of, wait, this does still fulfill a purpose if the whole point is for them to have a great shared experience together, to bond, to laugh together, to have a fun time. That mm-hmm. is the goal. Totally. I mean, relationship building that happens within a fun context under any umbrella of church setting, I think is positive because you're just kind of reshaping teenagers' vocabulary of God and church. And I think there probably is this pressure. Okay, we have them in the room. Right. We have the opportunity. We have to share Christ with them, in my opinion. Okay. And I'm not speaking for anybody at this table or this organization, but in my opinion, sometimes that's just a great thing to let them have fun and be around people in a, in a church setting. Yeah. yeah. And even like to your, to your point with the, the big game party, like I've always seen it as an opportunity, like my family can come and my kids can be there. And I love having my kids around the, my students. Yep. Like they, um, you know, hopefully get some good influence, uh, <laughs> but probably some bad things, but they get to see how I parent and how my wife and I, yep. you know, interact together. And, um, I just think it's a cool opportunity to kind of bring family into the mix of ministry along with being able to have fun and do a cool event. Yeah. That's a great point. So, I love that. I love your kids having shared experience with your students, seeing what you do and vice versa, your yeah. students being exposed to you as a, as a family. That's awesome. Yeah. So some of that comes down to, again, re-clarifying what's the purpose of this event and allowing something to be what it is and not trying to make something, you know, obviously if we're talking about a weekend retreat, there's going to be fun times. There's going to be goofy times. There's going to be serious times like extended events. There's going to be opportunity for all those things to, to, to happen and to be scheduled and to fit. But when we're talking about like a one night event, just make, just choose what part of your strategy it's going to fulfill, what purpose that it's going to fulfill and decide to do that thing well, instead of a bunch of different things feeling like it's forced. And there are probably a group of you listening who you have shown up into a job where there's something that was already happening, events that was, that were already happening, but some of them are crushing it. And I think there's a part of us that also has to lay down our pride to say, Hey, this event's been going on for a while. Everybody loves it. I personally don't love it, but I see its purpose. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I see people are responding to it. So instead of me getting my pride in the way and saying, oh, that wasn't my idea, so therefore it's not a good idea. You have to say, hey, this is part of the culture that I've worked my way into. I'm going to show compassion to this culture, and then I'm going to get behind this event because it's working, and I'm going to love it. Yeah. I think with that, even uh, establishing a way that you can put your thumbprint on it, you doing the same event, but maybe it's a Christmas event and you involve like a service aspect to it where you do a project during the, you know, something like that where totally. it can be your thumbprint. You can still be excited about it, but it's somebody else's yeah. baby that they've created that the church loves. All right. So let's, let's talk logistics for a few minutes. So the title is how to plan your next big youth ministry event. So let's talk about the how piece for a little bit. What are some things that you guys have learned in your experience when it comes to logistics, to the how, whether it's the ideation piece and who you bring into that, or whether it's the implementation, pulling it off, what are some pieces on how to pull these things off that you guys have learned? So serving in a smaller church, I think it's easy to burn out your volunteers. Mm. And so one of the things that we did is that we just had an events team, Hmm. not small group leaders, not the regular parents that provided dinner on Sunday night. Um, During our parent meeting, we just asked for people to sign up for events and you're going to help with events throughout the year. And I think it's a really good way. I don't think your small group leaders have to do everything. Hmm. And I think it's a good way to preserve some of the integrity within your volunteer group. Um, So I think... I think it's important that you have special events folks that just do that. Okay. That's good. Um, I would say make sure you're planning ahead. Don't try to pull off an event two weeks ahead of time. Yeah. Like, oh, we've got this event wait, in two youth weeks. pastors never wait till right? the last minute. Wait, so then what, what, is your, what is your minimum weeks that you think a parent should be prepared for an event that you planned? Is it an off-ministry night event? Yes. When I release my fall calendar... 
at the beginning of a school year, I already have my summer events on that calendar. Yeah. Okay. Especially in a small church with budgets and parents who don't have the money to send three kids to summer camp. Yeah. Like all of that's already listed out. So parents and families can financially begin planning. Yeah. I, I like the semester calendar. So yep. like if I release a fall calendar in August, all everything, everything is yeah. on that. Um, and you know, there's the subject to change little caveat right. at the bottom, but everything's on that. So parents know, Hey, this date we have this. Yeah. Um, that way everybody's prepared in advance and you can throw, you know, if it's a, you know, a baseball game or a water park, yeah, like you can throw something in there, but I wouldn't expect it to be like your big ministry thing. Yeah. If you throw it in there four days ahead of time. Yeah. It's interesting that we are all talking about calendars. That was the number one thing I was going to say. When you can present parents an overall picture of where things are going, well, they're going to appreciate that. But in the process of creating a calendar, you're forcing yourself to plan. Yep. I know that's probably not an interesting podcast to talk about how to create a calendar, but it really is kind of the underlying issue of what we're talking about. So as a small church, you know, going to uh, registering for summer camps that are put on by other people, well, there are registration cutoffs or there's camps that will sell out. So you have to really be prepared in advance. Well, if you're planning your own camp, which I've done that as well, you got, you have so much stuff you have to do. And then to your point about giving yourself time to do fundraisers, for students who, you know, have multiple kids going or just in a financial place where, you know, they can't afford to go to camp, doing fundraisers to make sure everybody who wants to go to camp can go to camp. Well, this all is a process that starts early. At the same time, if you're just doing an event at the church, uh, you still want to give students time to invite their friends. Oh, I forgot. I meant to invite so-so right. this week. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, we posted about it on social media. Well, I don't look at your social media yeah. account, you know, because it's not interesting. But Or <laughs> it's just I, I, I wasn't around. You have to give plenty of time to kind of, you know, put this into people's well, heads. every other organization gives parents a calendar months in advance. And so if we want to be competitive with sports or other community things, mm-hmm. we got to get a calendar out there. Yeah. Well, and totally. And again, what that does is it forces us to look at what's going on and realize, oh, I planned that event on that day and it's Easter. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> I totally Oops. didn't think about that. Or uh, this is exam week or this is the high school spring break. Yeah. I mean, I've made all these mistakes of being like, man, I really did not think about just what's happening in the teenage life. Yeah. What's happening with families. I'm just looking at, oh, it's been a while since we've done an event. Let's put one here. Yeah. And a calendar is just forcing you to well, strategize that knowing the way. local school calendar is key, yeah. right? Like we all know that that is key. Totally. Yeah. Or school calendars for a lot of a lot yeah. of our listeners that have got six different school systems. Yeah. These spring breaks don't align. This break, that it's just, it can get nuts. But you know what's super fun with the school calendar thing, though? It's piggybacking on something that they're already doing. So we love to host like fifth quarters. Football yeah. big in the South. Um, and it's super fun. And free food after the football game, like every kid yeah. comes and mm-hmm. hangs out. So maybe piggybacking with some of those events in your community. Yeah. I would say a big thing for me that kind of goes along with all this is doing all of this, but not in a vacuum. I think a mm-hmm. lot of times we're looking at the calendar and it's and it's just us. And so we miss it. Our calendar for some reason didn't have Easter. And so we planned something. But if we would have had four other people in the room, somebody would have said like, well, duh, you can't do it then. This is, this is Easter or wait, I don't know, like having parents in the room. I'm when I'm, you know, when I'm in a full-time ministry, 21, 22, 23 years old, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about how this affected families when I was thinking about how we were going to plan different programs. So I needed people to be in the room that were going to be the voice for, for families or for our volunteers or whatever it is to be able to say, uh, that sounds like a good idea. We actually tried something like that a few years ago and it bombed. So not planning things in a vacuum to me is a huge logistical piece of who do I invite into these conversations? Totally. Yeah. It's always great to have a single parent in the mix yeah. too. kind of talk through what that looks like for them. What else? What else? When it comes to the logistics, what are we, what are we doing to make sure that we've got the greatest chance of success for this thing to actually work? Well, I used to think of it when planning our camp from scratch, think of it like you had a house party and everybody trashed the house. Your parents are coming home the next day. Well, what do you do? Well, the first thing you have to do is you got to clean the front yard so your parents don't pull up and know that you had a party. <laughs> and that's registration. So to me, getting registration set up, you can get people into a camp setting and you can wing some stuff if you have to, you can pivot on some stuff, but registration, that process needs to be established first. Yes. There needs to be a system to that. And then when you go, you know, I've seen people write small group questions last minute. I've seen people come up with sermons last minute, 
plan games, plan free time last minute, but you can't plan registration last yeah. minute. That's the front of the house when your parents are pulling, yep. pulling in. Um, but logistically, you know, the thing I try to think about, maybe this is not a logistic uh, answer, but I always just try to think about what this event is going to be like for small group leaders, because small group leaders are the epicenter of you know, the student ministries I've been involved in. Yeah. So I just want to think about them and if they have children. What, where are their kids going to be? Do we have a, a plan for that? If it's going to be a weekend, how is this weekend? How are they going to be fully appreciated? Yeah. How are we going to set them up when, we, when they get back to not be, you know, you know, just to be able to bring energy to their own families yeah. and make sure they feel valued, all of that stuff. I really try to think about the event through their eyes and their lens first. Yeah. Can I say something that is going to blow everybody's mind? No, do it, Charlie. You can't. Okay. Yes, there's this I'm church, the host. You can. There's this church in Chattanooga that they make casseroles for every small group leader who goes on a trip. So when they get home on Sunday night, they have a homemade dinner. Oh wow, that's genius. That's amazing. Genius. Yep. So one of the lenses we didn't mention earlier, but I think fit really well here, is is thinking through: Is this an all group event, or is this an event that we plan for small groups to experience? together. Because I think a lot of times when I think of, you know, youth ministry events, it's like, hey, everybody comes to this Mm -hmm. single place. But some of the most, what I would say, successful youth ministry events that I've been a part of, we're we're helped planned and designed by, you know, the the, the youth ministry staff, but it was designed to be executed as small groups. And so it, it wasn't, all right, we're all going to meet here. We're all going to bust to the Braves game, but it was, hey, we're going to equip all these small group leaders to help them plan something specifically for their small group. And it, it just has a completely different dynamic. A lot of times, sometimes it's not the right move. And sometimes it's just a completely different vibe that ends up being fulfilling the vision more so than if you had everybody together. Yeah, and I think, I think go ahead. I was just gonna say I think if if you if your ministry is small group centric, like you should take that and take the small groups into account for every event. It doesn't have to be one where you're sending each group off to separately do something. Right. But if you're doing a hey everybody come to the church we're having this event, like what games are you playing that you can separate into small groups? Yep. And if you're eating a meal, you know can you sit your small groups at tables so they're connecting yep. together and just thinking through that process with your small groups all the time and not just for a retreat or you know an event that's specifically small group centric. Yep. Brett, when it comes to talking about like weekend retreats or summer camps, the way I used to think of them was if you have a typical, say we met on Sunday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon event, you have 15, maybe 20 minutes to you know, teach as a communicator. They go to small group where they're potentially engaged or not engaged. I mean, it's like, you, it's like a cup of water, right? But if you can pull somebody away from their everyday environment right. to go to a weekend retreat or go to a camp, well, that's like a bucket of water yeah. and you've eliminated some of your distractions back home. So just seeing the power that can happen at an event. I mean, for me, that's when God turned my life upside down. It was the classic last night of a camp mm. and, you know, life was never the same after that, but it was because I, I was kind of separated from yeah. my environment and, and all of that before, but also like at a camp, it's not just things that are happening with students spiritually. It's like psychologically and emotionally. Like we've gotten the most confessions, you know, to small group leaders from students saying, hey, I've never told anybody this or, hey, you don't know this. So we've tried to set up time in weekend of, of, uh, retreats or camps where students can have one on one time with their small group leader mm-hmm. uh, because there's things people aren't and probably shouldn't say in a group mm-hmm. that when we have set intentional time with them, they have a chance to say some things they haven't had a chance to say to anybody. And I thought at first this was going to be just a drag for small group leaders because they're in free time doing these one-on-one things. And they loved it because they got to connect with their Mm. students in even a deeper way. So I think that kind of reinforces what you're talking about. Small groups are the win and it's relationships. Well, relationships sometimes don't happen in a group setting. It's got to be one-on-one carving out that time for them in a place where they're separated from some of their distractions. I've even seen with those one-on-one conversations, like we did a fifth and sixth grade mission trip and we built those in. And even like new students that just came to that for the first time, they got to connect with a small group leader one-on-one and they were religiously coming back to our youth group because they got connected with that leader at Which that is, one-on-one. I love it. I mean, I've, I'm a believer in gospel presentations, 
you connecting students with their small group leader as yep. an opportunity to make that decision because they're the ones we're setting them up to journey through life with them. Yep. And, you know, I've been at a speaker at camps where it's like, come up and talk to me. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the leader or the communicator, but that's the people that we, you know, are tracking through life with them. And I'd love for that moment to happen with them. Yep. Yeah. Any last pieces when it comes to logistics? Safety is going to be one of those that you want to that you want to think through. How firm are the fences that the pigs are going to be in? Are the pigs going to be safe inside the fences? Do we need to shore those up a little bit? Well, we had a backup plan. We had <laughs> we had some some country boys that could handle that. But it is funny that you say that. I, I think for me the this may be the the only thing some of you get out of anything I've said in this podcast. But having a rain plan, yeah, like when I. Yep kind of got to that point in life where I'm like, man, I've had a lot of events go terrible because I just assume they're all going to be outside and the weather's going to be perfect. And I never had backup plans. So every event had a backup rain plan, all free time at events and retreats. I'm like, that was brilliant. Mm, You probably thought of that from day one, but I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I'm kind of a backup kind of girl. Yeah. So (laughs) smart. So smart. Yeah. I've even noticed like some of the events that we were supposed to have outside that got moved into our church gym ended up being far better than they mm-hmm. would have been outside. Mm-hmm. The environment, the atmosphere that we were able to create, uh, because we knew we were going to move it in there if it rained, we could still set up the inflatables and have the music. And it just had more of a, a close-knit atmosphere to it and a, a better energy than if we had been outside and there's cars driving past on the interstate and you know all this stuff going on. Like It just ended up being a cooler event because we had to move it inside. Yeah. Can we talk about safety a little bit? Okay. What do you want to talk about? Let's do it. I think there is this real mm, something when you have all these kids you don't know. Mm. I started in a youth ministry position um, in March, and they were all signed up to go to big stuff, and there was like 200 kids signed up to go to camp. Well, I'd only met 50 kids. I thought, where the heck are all (laughs) these kids coming from? And they are already this list. So how do you, as a youth pastor, safely take 200 kids a hundred and some that you've never met before to the beach. Yeah. Like I was like, could y'all wear like neon tags? Can we just wear the same shirt? But there's some real safety. And especially when you don't know kids, like if they're like the neighborhood kid, how do you still protect that kid when you don't have any information on them? So I think that registration piece is so huge. Um, and make sure all your folks are background checked. Like Mm. if you're having new volunteers or not small group leaders who are not regular in your ministry, I mean, you got to protect yourself yeah. and protect them. Yeah, a couple of things to that. That That's a, just a great topic you bring up, and I totally agree. Background checks for any volunteer, and even if you've known them for a long time, right. say, hey, this is just our policy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I've, yep. I've, I, I use that term all the time. Sorry, this is just our policy. I've made that up before because it's <laughs> like, I'm, this is nothing personal. It's just our policy. Yep. And But having leadership in place that... And not just background checks, but really equipping leaders for what, where we're about to go, right. what's about to happen, what I'm hoping and expecting from you. For example, like you're a small group leader. That's awesome. You know, you don't be the cool guy who's like, okay, yeah, y'all go down to Waffle House yeah. and, and then, you know, make sure you come back or... Were you on my trip? They did that one night. <laughs> right. And sometimes they sneak out. Because we've all snuck out at retreats and camps, but sometimes they have a small group leader who gives them permission or sometimes goes with them. Right. And I'm like, if you're going to go with them, just go with all of them. Like, don't leave people unsupervised. It's like a field trip. It's a field trip. You see teachers on field trips. They're just constantly counting heads. Yeah. And I just want small group leaders who are going to keep track of their human beings. And if they're equipped and trained to know that and do that, then we set ourselves up to have a better opportunity. But- if we're going to be churches who want to reach unchurched students and we want to have outreaches and invite, you know, fringe students to our events, well, we got to be prepared for right. them to bring a little trouble because yeah. that's yep. what we all did before we became church kids who oh. caused a little trouble, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say with that, like, it, especially when we're talking like going off site, like I assign small group leaders, hey, you've got these six students. Like you got to make sure they're in the van. And then once they're in the van, we'll do bigger counts, but I need you to keep track of yours. I'll keep track of mine. And then I'll keep track of the larger group. Yeah. Uh, but that goes with the safety thing and like empowering small group leaders and mm-hmm. making sure, you know, if you have 200 that you don't know, maybe your small group leaders can meet those 
students in a group right I just wanted to knit everybody a bracelet or a bandana and just it was my kids with the weird knitted headgear or what about those like you knit away girl those you belt ropes away. that everyone yes. like, you have it's to like stay all connected and you can use some analogy like because we're all the body of Christ right and then <laughs> That's a great idea, Brett. We'll have to write that down. But I think um, what is interesting about summer camp is that's a week-long commitment or a five-day commitment you're asking out of small group leaders, and a lot of them, they can't pull that off or make that happen. So found ourselves in a lot of situations where we had fill-in leaders for summer camp who haven't journeyed through this process. They're new, so students feel like they mm-hmm. can take advantage of them. You know, we've been to a point where we've had to get you know, younger people running small groups, and so it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. I think we're we're losing some control here. I don't have an answer for that. I'm just making an observation Mm -hmm. as to what we've observed. And it's cool sometimes to see these students rally around a new leader, but it presents its own set of challenges. Well, I think we need to talk about the training. So that's one thing we haven't talked about is how do you train your leaders prior to an event? It's not like, hey, you volunteered, show up at seven. Like there needs to be something on the front end of that. Yeah. And sometimes it's just expectations. If it's just like a, hey, we're having a Saturday night, you know, board game day, human size board game day with windy Scrabble tiles. I don't recommend that. Like then that's, then that's just setting the expectation. Hey, we're asking you to come. Here's what your role is. Have fun with students. Like whatever it is, whatever, just set the expectations. Obviously, if we're talking about retreats, if we're talking about camps, there, there's probably some extended training pieces that, that need to be involved, but at least letting them know, hey, here is what we're expecting from you in order for this event to fulfill what we want it to fulfill. Yeah. And why is it that we see the biggest life change happen at retreats and camps, yet that's when the most trouble goes down? It's all but, the free time. Do you have an answer? Yeah, free it's time. all the free time. I don't know, but there's something about a week-long camp. When I see a student get in trouble the first or second night, sometimes I tell them, like, bro, you better watch out. Like, <laughs> I'm going to see something different by the end of the Holy week. Spirit about to smack you. That's right. Because that's when you see students who, you know, they're the ones getting busted, getting caught. And then by the end of the week, it's like, man, something amazing happened yeah. in their life. I don't have an answer, but it's just been so cool to observe. Yeah. And I think probably should help us, I don't know, maybe relax a little bit when it comes to, you know, students causing trouble and but we also have to have our lines. Yeah. And we've all had to send students home. That could be a whole nother conversation. Yes. Oh, have you all sent students home from camp before? Yes. Oh, yeah. Y'all are way meaner than I, I am, I think. I yeah. Think thank I you, have. Jonathan. I don't think I have either. Yeah. You, maybe you okay. haven't seen what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, a couple things as we wrap things up. First, let's say that I am sitting in front of my computer. I'm thinking about my 2019, 2020 school year calendar. I'm thinking through what events I want to plan. What are some final pieces of advice that you would say to me as I'm thinking through that? Um, I would say you don't have to spend a lot of money to have a great event. Okay. I think it's easy to go to like, what big things do I need to bring in or buy or, you know, whatever you can do cheap events um, and make them really cool. Another thing would be atmosphere is important. Hmm. Um, So like, just think about the room that you're having it in. Um, Even if it's the fellowship hall at your church, like how can you set that room up um, to make it a good event? Whether you cut part of it off, you know, with, um, we, we legitimately use like giant cardboard to cut our gym in <laughs> half one time and it worked, but just how can you shrink the room or how can you make the room feel bigger if you're going to have a bigger crowd? Yeah. Um, so those two things, you don't have to spend a lot and then think about the atmosphere. The environment matters. Yeah. The atmosphere matters. Absolutely. Yep. Serving in a small church, we have a combined ministry of middle schoolers and high schoolers. And I really love what Ben was saying about being intentional with those students at a particular time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any shame of taking like just 12 kids on a fall retreat because those are your high school kids. And I think sometimes it's necessary to do a middle school event and a high school event. And I think that event is more of an overnight, like invest in those students in a longer duration, right? Yeah. And I know there's some of you that are like, well, I only have three middle schoolers. Cool. It's going to be a really cheap camp, you know? (laughs) Maybe you can find someone to pay for it. Right? (laughs) But logistically, why wouldn't you want to just invest in those three kids? Mm. I think sometimes there's this real importance to diving in and going deep with your kids in a separate environment, just because developmentally, they're just so different. It's super fun to host something at a local park with both middle schoolers and high schoolers, and we play kickball and it's cheap. And all you do is provide a cooler of drinks and it's super fun. Right. And like everybody talks about it. But there's something to be said about having um, your ministry separated sometimes. And I think the weekend retreat is when you do that. Awesome. 
I do think that that's a great point. And you don't necessarily have to say, all right, we're going to attend two summer camps this summer. It may be that high school does summer camp and middle school, you do a spring Mm -hmm. retreat or a D now type thing. Yeah. You don't have to burn yourself out to accommodate both groups. Sometimes somebody gets the opportunity and sometimes another ministry gets the opportunity. And then they have something to look forward to. Totally. And something that's different. I think what I would say is it doesn't always have to be epic. Mm. Sometimes you can strip it down and make it simple and it has just as much impact. And when it comes to going to retreats and camps, you don't always have to create your own. There are a lot of organizations Mm -hmm. out there that do fall retreats, that do summer camps. And sometimes you can expose your students to people from you know, different parts of, of the country, different parts of the world, allow them to hear some different voices in yeah. their life. And sometimes you got to kind of experiment for a little while to kind of figure out what jives with your students, but you, it doesn't always have to be your event. Right. Your students can get a lot out of an event put on by another organization. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think my last piece of advice would would be to not allow events to clutter your your strategy. I think a lot of times we end up agreeing to a lot of different events because kids are asking for, hey, we should do this, or we should do this, or we should do this. And and to me, there's a balance like we talked about. I absolutely believe that planning some fun things together as groups is strategic. Like that is part of what we need to be doing as ministry. But there's also an aspect of there are, there are you know, in some places there are parents and there are students who expect you or will ask you to be their social planner. And we can't, we've got more important things to do. Like that can't be what our role is. And so the more strategic you can be about when you do events, why you do events, we always call them DNA events. What are our DNA events that really speak into who we are and why we do what we do? And then we would have, we would say no to other things that maybe would, would, would be fun or maybe we'll try another time, but they don't fit and into what we're doing. So being really strategic, not allowing events to clutter things up. Mm-hmm. All right, our final piece before we wrap up, we're going to do kind of a quick round of what are the favorite events that you've ever planned? Jonathan, you got anything? Yeah. Uh, so we did a neon glow party rave kind of thing. Yeah. It was for about 100 people, and it was under $500, and the students loved it. Um, a friend of mine's a DJ, so we used his lights. Um, and we did, like, breakfast food. I recruited a cook in our church and like she tried to make the breakfast food glow in the dark too and like was that safe to eat it was like that <laughs> she i apparently like club soda is supposed to glow in the dark and so oh. she tried to use that in like the i imagine breaking and, glow sticks that's right what right I was just thinking. like jumping like in because they say those are non-toxic right yeah, right in the pancake it's right good. there it's good <laughs> so that one that one was really cool when i did campus life um we did a price is right event and we had <laughs> we had like my father-in-law built a wheel and somebody built a plinko board um and we got like the putt-putt little thing. And then we actually asked for a donation and we gave away a car. Holy um, cow. Yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't a great car, right. but like somebody hit a putt and they want a car. So that was, that was really fun. And you can tell people like we gave away a car, um, <laughs> but um, those two were probably my favorite events. We did an event also where we asked parents to cook for us. We called it a tailgate party and made it into a competition. Um, and so we like recruited parents to one, do the cooking, and two, provide all of our food. Nice. Um, and so it was a cool opportunity to get the parents inside the ministry, and then it was competitive, so they really enjoyed it and took care of all the food. Didn't have to think about it. Awesome. I want to go to an event where I can win a car. Can we, like, make that happen, guys? Yes, because we will tomorrow. my 2005 pilot do. is, like, struggling. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Well, I would love to compete with that, like, for an idea, but I just have some really great, like, simple, no-money things. Yeah. Um, bring your own utensil dinner was always a hit. And we'd have parents come in and they would cook for that. <laughs> what? Yeah, bring your favorite utensil. Maybe it's a potato masher. Maybe it's a strainer. Maybe it's a spatula. But whatever your favorite utensil and might be. And you had be. to eat it with whatever you brought yep. in? So whatever you brought in is what you got to eat. And we would do like dinner and a movie. And it was like super fun and it cost no money. And it was great for parents to come in and cook for us. And it's goofy and weird. So is that how you marketed it? Like bring your own utensil dinner? Yeah. So I'm like awesome. digging grandma's kitchen drawers. What is the funniest utensil you see in there? <laughs> bring it. Right. Um, so since I've always served in a Methodist church, we really um, observe Lent mm-hmm. and we would have a Passover dinner for our students and they came dressed as their favorite plague. And that was just super <laughs> fun and like weird. And it's just a great way. And it's something they still Not talk where about. I thought you were going to go. 
right? And it's something they've talked about for years is they got to experience a Passover meal dressed in a frog, I, you know? Wow. But these are all things I think you can do really simply. And I love playing kickball at the park. That's easy. Yeah. I would just provide some popsicles and a cooler of drinks. And y'all, you can get so much momentum out of that because people see you. They can invite their friends. There's no transportation. It's just really easy things to do. Yeah. Ben, what, what do you, do you have anything plague dress up related? <laughs> I got plenty. Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I think by far my favorite event was in my first student ministry. We had a Sunday after church, probably like a month or a month and a half before summer camp, where it was called a talent show lunch. And hmm. we went into the fellowship hall and I had students sign up to do a talent in the talent show, but it had to be funny. Okay. So don't get up there and sing some serious song. Everybody's going to do something funny. So people who signed up, we would, we did like rehearsals, auditions, all this stuff, not auditions. Everybody who signed up got to do something, but we would practice. And then the students who didn't want to be in the talent show, they were servers, you know, waiters and waitresses. So we would spend money for food. We'd have volunteers cook in the kitchen. Our students would be servers. We'd have an MC who would kind of set up the acts and our students would do different, like funny acts in a talent show. And then we had donation baskets when you come in and come out, we let everybody know it's a fundraiser mm. for camp. They didn't have to pay any money, you know, open to contributions. And then that almost every year that funded our, all of our students wow. for camp because people just paid out because they had fun. They were right. eating lunch. It felt like a bigger event than it really was. Our, our students got to be on stage and the ones who didn't were serving, you know, they were walking out around people and we always left. I mean, never felt like it flopped. It was yeah. always like, man, that was awesome. And we can pay for students to go to camp who don't have the money to go. When I was growing so, up, we did something similar. It was called Silly Chili Night. But it was the exact same idea. I love it. Yeah. Silly um, Chili Night. I think one of, kind of going along with chili, one of my favorite ones uh, was something that our leaders for our fifth and sixth grade preteen group would do. Uh, was just messy game night. Mm. There, it was like a random Wednesday night in June, and it was like you go to Costco and you buy the big pork and beans cans, and you get mustard and mayonnaise in a hundred foot plastic slide. You put it down the hill, and you just go to town with all the nasty, I love it. all the nasty things, and hose everybody. We call it slop, slop night. Slop night. Yeah. Were the pigs involved? No, that's Calway round. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And we would love for you to share some of your worst event stories with us so that we don't feel so bad about ourselves. So we would love for you to head to rethinkingym.org for the show notes and also the link to our Facebook group where you can share those stories and join us in some awesome conversations. And share your good ideas as well so we yeah, can sure. share them and take credit yeah. for them. Yes. There you go. All right. Until next time, have a good one. <laughs>